contrary to who we are. And it needs to stop because the world is watching. Good point, Mr. President. No, I'm not scared. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. What do I look like, a Republican yes, governor? I'm stuck in the middle with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, from and Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles. It's so hard to keep this, this is your broadcast. As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. And, of course, coast-to-coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on iTunes, streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, many other fine affiliates in parts unknown, and, of course, Radio Sputnik, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me, if not you, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another action-packed, thrilling adventure. The world is watching, indeed. The world is listening. Um, and uh, some of the behavior from some of the people in this country is simply remarkable, appalling. And frankly, uh, I guess if I were a terrorist, I would be delighted about it. But we will talk about all of that in a few minutes here. Uh, we are jo- Oh, hi, De- Desi Doyen joins us, of course, as usual. Hi, Desi Doyen. Yes, I am here. You am our producer, Desi Doyen. Uh, first, we start, however, with a correction because we like to put our corrections first. Uh-oh. I know. And don't worry, though, it's not you this time. Good. So for a change, you can relax. Uh, yesterday on the uh, on the program, I had I had mentioned that uh, CIA director uh, George Tenet had uh, and he was the CIA director under uh, under George W. Bush that he had admitted to droning innocent uh, women and children. And uh, it was sort of an offhand comment I was making. And in fact, what I was doing was conflating two separate stories that we covered a few days ago. George Tenet, in fact, uh, did admit that they were um, uh, warning the George W. Bush administration about the threat from Al Qaeda and Osama bin Laden for months and months and months before 9-11 happened for months and months. In fact, before the infamous uh, bin Laden determined to attack in the U.S. memo in uh, presidential daily brief in uh, August of 2001. So that was one of the stories that we had covered, and that concerned CIA Director George Tenet. And in fact, it was not George Tenet who admitted to droning innocent women and children. It was, in fact, Leon Panetta, 
Uh, he served as the CIA director from 2009 to 2011 before becoming Secretary of Defense from uh, 2011 to 2013. And it was uh, Panetta, not Tenet. There's plenty to hold uh, Tenet accountable for. But uh, this statement uh, actually belonged to uh, this admission, at least belonged to Leon Panetta, that he knew that they had uh, that what they felt was a uh, a terrorist target in their sights, but that uh, taking him out would also involve taking out his wife and his children in their house, and he admitted to doing it anyway. So Leon Panetta gave the go-ahead on a strike, a drone strike that he knew would kill innocent children, not George Tenet. So there you go. That's our uh, correction. I just wanted to get that out of the way because I had said it was Tenet, not Panetta. Uh, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Tennant uh, did it as well and knew it as well, but he just isn't the one who said it out loud. Uh, okay, a couple of uh, quick news items here before we get to, uh, oh boy, the main uh, story that I, uh, the main stories that I want to focus on today. Um, Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal is out. He has dropped out of the race for the Republican uh, 2016 Republican uh, race for the presidential nomination. In the GOP, he had uh, little or no support from the jump, according to the uh, polls. And so he has finally dropped out, leaving only, oh, I don't know, about 14 or so uh, candidates left. We'll get to some more of those candidates in a moment. But I want to point out, as Bobby Jindal, uh, who is very unpopular in his own state, so it's unclear to me why he was running at all. Uh, but uh, he is uh, he is out. He is uh, termed out. He will now be uh, replaced this weekend in an election in Louisiana where the Democratic candidate in that state, John Bell Edwards, currently leads his Republican opponent, Senator David Vitter, by some 20 points or so in a whole bunch of different polls. I'm mentioning that now. I'm mentioning it ahead of the game. They'll hold their their runoff election on Saturday in Louisiana. So who knows what will happen? Just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the fact that the Democratic governor, uh, gubernatorial candidate in Kentucky, was set to beat his Republican rival. He had only been leading by five points, and uh, the Republican rival ended up winning, according to the unverified uh, election results that are completely computer reported out there in in Kentucky. Uh, he ended up losing by nine points. The Democrat did uh, to the Republican. So who knows what will happen in in Louisiana this weekend? But just want to repeat: the Democrat is ahead in a whole bunch of polls by a whole lot of points uh, ahead of the Republican Senator David Vitter, a candidate that is so bad that even the current Republican lieutenant governor serving under Bobby Jindal right now, the outgoing Bobby Jindal, uh, that lieutenant governor, that Republican, has now endorsed the Democrat John Bell Edwards in the race. So keep an eye out for that over the weekend. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, speaking of the presidential race, Donald Trump is now back on top. That's right. He had been uh, tied at least nationally in the polls uh, last few uh, uh, polling rounds with the dim-witted Dr. Ben Carson. But now that many in America have been able to see what a dimwit that uh, Dr. Ben Carson actually is, perhaps they're uh, changing their thinking and they're going back to Donald Trump, who is not a dimwit, 
but he is certainly uninformed about what the hell is going on in this country, or he is informed and he does not care, which may more likely be the case. And the support that is now going back to Donald Trump, it seems, as he has jumped some 17 points since the last uh, Reuters Ipsos survey. And this he has jumped 17 points. Ben Carson has come down a little bit, but not as much as, as Trump has now gained. Maybe, maybe it's due to uh, comments that Donald Trump has been making like this. I would bomb the shit out of him. <laughs> I would just bomb those suckers. So that may have helped Donald Trump. That is apparently the type of uh, foreign policy that uh, a large portion of this country apparently craves, or at least a large portion of the Republican electorate, or at least a large portion of the Republican electorate that plans to turn out for the, uh, for the primary election. Bomb the bleep out of them. Now, at the same time, about 30 U.S. state governors, I'm sure you have heard, most of them are Republicans, are now stating that they will not allow Syrian refugees, those escaping the very types of terror attacks that Republicans claim to abhor in Paris uh, last week. Uh, the, now the governors are saying they will not be uh, allowed to relocate those refugees in their state. Now, never mind that the state governors have nothing to do with the federal screening process. That, in fact, we have open borders, you may have noticed, open borders within the country itself, and uh, governors don't have a say about who gets to travel where and whatnot. But uh, never mind that, these courageous Republicans uh, will now stop do everything they can to stop widows and orphans from the war-torn nation of Syria from finding safety in their otherwise civilized states. And, of course, uh, Donald Trump can be uh, expected to be right out there in front holding the banner, uh, misinforming the American public on this issue. Refugees are pouring into our great country from Syria. We don't even know who they are. They could be ISIS. They could be anybody. What's our president doing? Is he insane? Well, I don't know if he's insane or not. Uh, but, uh, Mr. Trump, you are totally, completely, absolutely, entirely wrong as usual. No, refugees are not pouring over our borders that is no more true than it went when these very same idiots were claiming that people with Ebola, Ebola, were flooding into the country and unleashing an epidemic on us. Remember that? That was just a few months ago. How long ago was that? That was, I, I don't even remember, it seems like forever ago, but it was not that long ago that they were telling us that we were a danger, that Barack Obama was putting the entire country at danger. He didn't know what he was doing. Is he insane? He's allowing all of these people with Ebola to come in. We're all going to die. And guess what? That never happened, did it? No, it didn't. Because those people who knew what they were talking about, uh, who actually, uh, you know, if you bothered to look at the process that was uh, in place, you would have known that there was nothing worth the panic that the Republicans were putting out about Ebola any more than there is uh, worth the panic that the Republicans are now putting out about refugees from Syria. 
So those claiming that Ebola would not happen as an epidemic uh, in this country were then, as now, both informed about the actual screening process and, yes, correct about it. But being correct, apparently, in this country, that no longer work. That no longer wins your votes. Scaring people is the way to go. Scaring people is a much more effective way to win over the low information dupes and stooges that the Republican Party uh, are now uh, gunning for, are now hoping to con into voting for them. Hopefully those stooges and suckers won't notice that French President uh, Hollande has now stated since since the terror attacks last week, he has now stated uh, that the relatively small nation of France will stay on course to receive some 30,000 Syrian refugees. That, while the U.S. has only committed to allowing some 10,000 to resettle here in our much larger country. We haven't had those 10,000. That's over the next year, 10,000. France is going to take 30,000, and France was hit just days ago by a, uh, a series of terror attacks. And they aren't afraid. A series of terror attacks perpetrated by European Union citizens. Correct. That's right. That's right. Not by Syrians. Now, there is some question about this, uh, this fake passport that was found, uh, a fake Syrian passport, uh, trying to figure out what, what exactly that means, where it uh, came from, how it was used, was it planted to scare people, uh, did the still, I believe, unidentified uh, uh, man who is believed to have been carrying that uh, passport, did he sneak in uh, via the refugee stream? It's very uh, possible that he did. But of course, the way that refugees uh, come into Europe is not the way that they come into the U.S., which is a much more difficult process, a much more onerous process. But, of course, it all reminds me of, you know, the Statue of Liberty, the gift from our friends in France, ironically enough, which says something about, I don't know, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. I guess we don't care about that anymore. Or at least Republicans don't. Republicans who pretend to give a damn about liberty, about, you know, freedoms. Not so fast there, non-Christian orphan child. You don't get to... What, yearning to be free? Not in our country. Brother. William J. Dobson, writing over at Slate, summarized the, the complete uh, sort of years-long process that uh, these refugees must go through before they are admitted to the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, he wrote about that process. This was just after uh, Alabama's courageous Republican governor, Robert Bentley, was among the first of uh, his fellow Republicans to announce a few days back that his state would not be allowing any of those uh, widows and orphan refugees into our country. Dobson explained, uh, quote, it takes anywhere from 18 to 24 months for a Syrian refugee to be cleared to live in the United States, 18 to 24 months. First, he or she must be registered with the U.N. High Commissioner for Refugees. That agency interviews the refugees, conducts background checks on the refugees, takes their biometric data, and establishes whether they belong to one of roughly 45 categories of concern, so-called categories of concern. 
given their past lives and their work history in Syria and so forth. Typically, the applicants, he writes, are women and children. If anything looks amiss, they are pulled from consideration. And then, and only then, after all of that vetting, then the U.S. government begins its own vetting process. The applicants are interviewed again, and their names and particulars are run through terrorism databases, a whole several different terrorism databases. They receive additional screening when they then arrive in the U.S., and then again after their first year in the country. This process, writes Dobson, has led to slightly more than 1,800 Syrians. That's it. 1,800 Syrians being admitted to the U.S. since 2011. So for all of these years that this war has been going on in Syria and now with all of these people flooding out uh, since 2011, the last four, almost five years, uh, just 1,800 have gotten through this onerous process. None of them has landed in Alabama, Dobson notes, but if that ever did happen, no one will have ever gone through a more painstaking and extensive vetting process where the reward was to live in Alabama. Now, that seems... A bit unfair to our friends in Alabama. Not really. A bit of a cheap shot. I mean, oh, come it's, on Okay, now. cheap shot, yes. Cheap unfair, shot. no. All right. I would say. Uh, he goes on to write that there is another way to look at this. There may be no more difficult way for a would-be terrorist to enter the United States than to pose as a Syrian refugee. And if that was true last week, it is exponentially more difficult after the Paris attacks. If ISIS is looking to smuggle its operatives into the into the United States, there are far more effective ways to do so than to go through that ridiculously onerous and, uh, yes, almost two years long process. But no, Syrian refugees are pouring into this country. Nobody's screening them. Are we insane? Lies Donald Trump to his masses. The president of the United States, Barack Obama, was asked about all of this and about all of this uh, phony controversy and of all of this fetishizing, frankly, of of ISIS. Uh, he was asked about it at a press conference in uh, where was he? Dead? He was in, in the Philippines, Philippines, the APEC conference, the uh, I mm-hmm. think it's the Asian Pacific Economic Conference. And he gave a uh, he, he gave a detailed response, actually. Uh, he, he seemed not too happy with the question because it was frankly, so ridiculous in the first place. Uh, But we've got just a few minutes of his response to the AP reporter who said, hey, what about all these, uh, what about this refugee, this supposed uh, refugee controversy here in the U.S.? He was asked about this uh, so-called refugee controversy, uh, and he explained, he went into detail, uh, a lot of the details that I just gave you about the uh, month-long process that it takes for anybody to, uh, any refugees to be able to get through this system. Uh, And then he responded like this. We are not well served when, in response to a terrorist attack, uh, we descend into fear and panic. If there are concrete, actual suggestions to enhance this extraordinary screening process that's already in place, uh, we're welcome, uh, we're, we're open to hearing actual ideas, but that's not really what's been going on in this debate. When candidates say we want to admit three-year-old orphans, 
That's political posturing. When individuals say that we should have a religious test and that only Christians, proven Christians, should be admitted, that's offensive and contrary to American values. I cannot think of a more, uh, more potent recruitment tool for ISIL than some of the rhetoric that's been coming out of here uh, uh, during the course of this debate. ISIL seeks to exploit the idea that there is a war between Islam and the West. And when you start seeing individuals in positions of responsibility suggesting that Christians are more worthy of protection than Muslims are in a war-torn land, that feeds the ISIL narrative. It's counterproductive. And it needs to stop. And, and, and I would add, by the way, these are the same folks oftentimes who suggest that they're so tough that uh, just talking to Putin or staring down ISIL or using some additional rhetoric somehow is going to solve the problems out there. But apparently they're scared of widows and orphans coming into the United States of America as part of our tradition of compassion. Now first they were worried about the press being too tough on them during debates. Now they're worried about three-year-old orphans. That doesn't sound very tough to me. So I, I, if there are specific suggestions about uh, what it is that is not already being done under this rigorous 18 to 24 month process to admit refugees and the screening that's taking place by an entire set of U.S. agencies that are specialists in countering terrorism, if they've got a specific suggestion, then they can make it. But that's not really what's been going on. Uh, they've been playing on fear in order to try to score political points or to advance uh, their campaigns. Uh, and it's irresponsible. And it's contrary to who we are. And it needs to stop because the world is watching. The president in the Philippines on Wednesday responding to uh, reporters asking about the uh, Republican governors now, uh, I think more than 30 of them, maybe one or two Democrats as well, who have uh, said they will not allow Syrian refugees into their borders, uh, into their state borders, saying we are not well served when in response to a terrorist attack, we descend into fear and panic. The president saying that uh, these people are playing on fear. He's now he's talking about these governors, these Republicans. They are playing on fear to score political points or to advance their campaigns. And it's irresponsible. It needs to stop because the world is watching more on that dissension into fear and panic in this country. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs>
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. This is where the party ends. I can't stand here listening to you and your racist friend. I know politics bore you, but I feel like a hypocrite talking to you and your racist friend. Welcome back. This is your Bradcast, Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com. Good to have you back, you and your racist friends. Uh, we are uh, talking about uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave here, where uh, governors uh, are, are you know, calling for these Syrian refugees to not be allowed into their state, these tens of thousands of people who are streaming out, who are caught in the crossfire between, uh, between ISIS and between the Syrian government who are fleeing for their lives and who are being uh, told to go to hell by uh, Republicans now in this country, Republican governors, Republican presidential candidates. They're all sort of agree. Not only uh, are, are they not welcome here, but also, as Donald Trump says, uh, we, we need to uh, we need to look at shutting down mosques early in the week. Uh, this was, I think, on Monday for Donald Trump. Now the front runner, the clear front runner once again for the Republican nomination. Fanned the flames of anti-Muslim sentiment in this country on Monday, he said, uh, quote, you're going to have to watch and study the mosques because a lot of talk is going on at the mosques said this on MSNBC's Morning Joe. He told Fox Business that, to quote, absolutely shut down U.S. mosques to defeat Islamic State militants. <laughs> he said, from what I heard in the old days, meaning a while ago, we had great surveillance going on in and around mosques in New York City, and I understand our mayor totally cut that out. He totally cut it out, said Trump. But, in fact, he was referring to New York's uh, uh, religious profiling investigation, which was eventually discontinued because it resulted in zero arrests and zero leads. We've been uh, reading yesterday, I was reading uh, quite a bit from Ben Norton's piece in Salon about all of the above uh, called Our Terrorism Double Standard. After Paris, let's stop blaming Muslims and take a hard look at ourselves. One of the points he makes uh, in that piece uh, that we didn't get to yesterday, he writes, who benefits from uh, such a clampdown on Muslims and refugees? Two primary groups, he says. One, Islamic extremist groups themselves who use the clampdown as evidence that there is supposedly no room for Muslims in the secular West that has declared war on Islam. And two, Europe's growing far right who will use the attacks as evidence that there is supposedly no room for Muslims in the secular West 
that should declare war on Islam. ISIS itself has explicitly stated, he writes, that its goal is to make extinct what it calls the gray zone. That is to say, Western acceptance of Muslims. The endangerment of the gray zone began with the blessed, quote, began with the blessed operations of September 11th, as those operations manifested two camps before the world for mankind to choose between, a camp of Islam and a, clan, and a camp of Kufr, or Kufr, the Crusader Coalition. That is from ISIS's own publication. It wants the world to make a choice uh, between the caliphate and what it regards as the Crusades. Demonstrating how right-wing and Islamic extremist logic intersect, writes uh, Ben Norton, ISIS actually favorably cited the black-and-white worldview shared, ironically, by both former President George W. Bush and his intractable foe, al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden. ISIS wrote, quote, As Sheikh Osama bin Laden said, the world today is divided into two camps. Bush spoke the truth when he said, either you are with us or you are with the terrorists, meaning you are either with the crusade or you are with Islam. So there is Osama bin Laden agreeing with George W. Bush about the black and white view, choose a side, pick a side, and then ISIS quoting all of the above. That's what we've come to right now, it seems, in this country. Trump continued his call later this week for a shutdown of mosques. He says that's where terrorist activities are occurring, despite, as I say, despite evidence to the contrary, and that we are, quote, going to have no choice but to shut them down. He said that on Fox. So, so much for those religious liberties that the right pretends to care about when they can, you know, use the claim to attack Obamacare or, or to avoid following the constitutional right of allowing marriage equality for all Religious liberty, they don't really care. They don't really give a damn. Uh, it's maddening. Uh, you know, it, 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 these people who are streaming in from Syria are more at threat. This is what William Dobson says in that Slate piece that, uh, that I read from in the previous segment. He says that uh, the article is headlined, The Real Extremist, and he charges that Alabama poses a greater risk to Syrian refugees than those refugees pose to Alabama. And he's absolutely right. So here's a story, uh, and Raw Story has been collecting a lot of these uh, that I've, I've been uh, perusing. Uh, here's a, kind of a, a disturbing story. Prosecutors, this is from Raw Story, prosecutors have decided not to charge a Minnesota woman with a hate crime for smashing a Muslim woman in the face with a beer mug, even though they believe that the assailant was motivated by hatred and bias. Jody Burchard Risch has been charged with felony third-degree assault in uh, the October 30 attack against Asma Jama at an Applebee's restaurant in Coon Rapids. Unfortunately, based on our laws, if we charge the crime that has uh, the title hate in it, we run the risk of conviction of a lower-level offense, and we don't want to do that, said Paul Young of the Anoka County uh, Attorney's Office. And that's fine. So they're not going to charge her with a hate crime. They're going to charge her with something else that she will get more time for. The 43-year-old Burchard Rish angrily confronted Jama because the Muslim woman spoke Swahili 
with her family at a neighboring booth at the restaurant. Jama, an ethnic, an ethnic Somali who came to Minnesota in 2000 from Kenya, said Burchard Rich and her husband told her family to, quote, go home. When you're in America, you should speak English, the woman said her attacker told her. Jama told the woman she had a free speech right to speak to her family in a foreign language, which she said enraged Burchard Rich, who then smashed her beer mug across Jama's face in a roundhouse punch motion before then running away, according to police. The blow split Jama's lower lip. She required treatment at a hospital. She had to get 17 stitches. Go home, she was told, before she was smashed in the face with a glass mug. Go home. Isn't that the same thing that one of Donald Trump's supporters told uh, the uh, the reporter from Univision a couple of a couple yes, of weeks a, ago? Yes, a Remember Donald that? Trump yeah. supporter at a rally told Jorge Ramos of right. Univision to uh, go home, yeah. and he said, "We don't want I'm you." A, he says, "I'm a U.S. citizen. Yeah. I am home." Right. He said, "We don't want you in our country." Uh, so it uh, looks like Donald uh, Trump supporters are are picking up that banner, and now smashing people in the face. The uh, prosecutor said, "We know that this was a that this was a crime that appears to be based on hatred and bias. We are considering that, and we'll keep analyzing what role that will play in sentencing." Jama has now left Minnesota to be with her family, and said she has now considered moving away. And I should underscore that was October thirty. That was before the attacks in Paris. What has happened since the attacks in Paris? Well, you can only imagine. Well, you don't have to imagine. I'll share some of it. Police are now investigating several threats made over the weekend against Muslim houses of worship here in the home of the brave. A caller left a threatening voicemail message uh, uh, that referred to the massacre uh, about 7 p.m. Friday. So this is just hours after the massacre, before we even knew who was responsible. 7 p.m. Friday, uh, this threatening voice message was left at the Islamic Society of St. Petersburg in Florida, which canceled Sunday school over safety concerns. The caller warned, quote, this act in France is the last straw. You are going to effing die. Quote, I personally have a militia that's going to come down to your Islamic society of Pinellas County and firebomb you, shoot whoever's there on site in the head. The caller added, I don't care if they're effing two years old or 100. The state's chapter of the Council on American Islamic Relations reported that a similar threat was made against another mosque by a caller who threatened to, quote, bomb your effing location and shoot people at will. Home of the Brave. Police in Norman, Oklahoma, are investigating what led a man to instigate a confrontation with them by threatening to shoot people and vehicles, according to KWT, uh, KWTV. The would-be gunman called emergency dispatchers on Sunday evening and said he was, quote, dealing with some mental, some severe mental illness. He said, I'm going to go out there and just start shooting anything that looks like a Muslim after what they did to France. According to the Norman transcript, the man was identified as 47-year-old Mark James Rydell. After making his anti-Muslim threat and hanging up, Rydell called dispatchers again, saying, quote, it's no emergency. You guys seem to be ignoring me. 
I'm just going to start shooting at cars. Rydell was outside his office when two officers arrived to confront him. The encounter was filmed from a distance by an unidentified neighbor. Officers can be heard telling Rydell to drop the gun. A police spokesperson said Rydell refused to follow the officer's orders, prompting them to shoot him. Rydell was listed in stable condition at a local hospital as of Monday night. Where did he get the idea? Where did he get the anger? Here in the home of the brave. Down in Florida, a Muslim family uh, told local media on Monday that their home had been targeted with gunfire due to backlash from the Paris attacks. Orange County resident Amir El Masri showed WFTV the hole where a bullet passed through his garage door and into the master bedroom. El Masri said that he found the bullet in a dresser drawer in the bedroom. According to Orange County deputies, evidence gathered at the scene suggested at least three bullets were fired at the home. The shooting was thought to have occurred between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sunday when the family was away. Thank God. The police report noted that the victim... Quote, expressed concern and believes that this incident may be retaliation towards him for the recent terrorist attack in France because he is Muslim. El Masri insisted, we are as peaceful as any American family. I mean, why would you shoot at my garage? He pointed out that his family was now living in fear. They feel unsafe now. He explained why somebody is shooting at us. What did we do? As for the men who staged the attacks in Paris, El Masri lamented, the people who did it happened to be Muslims, but with the wrong idea, he said. So just like the sick people here who shoot in theaters, they happen to be sick. But we don't blame it on the religion, he said. Land of the free, home of the brave. Four people who appeared to be, quote, of Middle Eastern descent were removed from a Spirit Airlines flight from Baltimore to Chicago on Tuesday morning for alleged, quote, suspicious activity. According to the Chicago Tribune, that activity in question uh, consisted of watching a news broadcast on a mobile device. The four people were released after questioning by police. Sergeant Jonathan Green of the Maryland Transportation Authority told the Baltimore Sun that a female passenger became alarmed and reported the four individuals to the uh, flight crew members. Everything added up to create a situation where she felt concerned, said Green. Everything was done in the interest of safety. The flight had been taxing to the runway when the woman became alarmed. The flight crew deemed it best to return to the gate and remove the passengers from the plane, turning over the three men and one woman who looked Middle Eastern to over to authorities for interrogation. Passenger David Rocca told the AP by phone that security officials boarded the plane at the gate and took the Middle Eastern-looking passengers away. They quietly stood up, removed their bags, and followed the two officers off the plane, Rocca said. The rest of the passengers on Spirit Flight 969 were taken off the plane while all passengers, uh, all passenger baggage was rescreened by officials. Then they were allowed to reboard and continue on their way to Chicago about four hours behind schedule. No threat was found, said Mike England of the TSA. So um, <laughs> there was apparently the suspicious activity 
was that they were looking at their phones while being Middle Eastern. Uh, Talisha Northern, an attorney from North Carolina, said that this was an instance of, quote, see something, say something. The first people to get called were of Middle Eastern descent. See something, say something. Well, of course. Land of the free, home of the brave. Republican State uh, Representative Tony Dale, he's concerned that Texas's gun laws could allow Syrian refugees to launch terror attacks on American soil. That's right. The gun laws are too lax, apparently, in the state of Texas if we're going to allow Syrian refugees here. In a two-page letter sent to U.S. Senator John Cornyn of Texas on Monday, Dale asked state officials to reject the settlement of more Syrian refugees within the Lone Star State's borders after Friday's terror attacks in Paris. He argued that the immigration documents granted to refugees would allow them to obtain Texas driver's licenses, which in turn would allow them to procure firearms. Well, maybe. Wouldn't that make them safer? According to what you people always tell us about firearms, why are you worried about lax gun laws in Texas? While the Paris attackers used suicide vests and grenades, it is clear that firearms also killed a large number of innocent victims, Dale wrote in his letter to the senator. Can you imagine a scenario where a refugees is admitted to the United States? Yes, that's his misspelling, uh, where a refugee is admitted to the United States, is provided federal cash payments and other assistance, obtains a driver's license and purchases a weapon and executes an attack. There is no waiting period to purchase a gun in Texas, which has some of the least restrictive gun laws in the nation. According to TPM, starting in January, Texans will be able to openly carry handguns as well. Well, then they all should be safe. There is nothing to worry about. Land of the free, home of the brave. Why are you worried now about your lax gun laws? Why weren't you worried, oh, I don't know, for the last how many decades when uh, tens of thousands each and every year are killed by guns in this country, not by terrorism, not by Middle Eastern terrorism, not even certainly not by Middle Eastern uh, refugees like those women and children and orphans coming in from Syria. And now you're worried about the gun laws? Land of the free, home of the brave. More tales from the land of the free and the home of the brave. Maybe some uh, slightly more helpful, one, uh, hopeful ones, but we'll see right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs>
Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Oh, brother. What a week. What a week. Uh, and, and we may just only be getting started. I don't know. Um, yeah, I remember after the uh, Charlie Hebdo attacks in uh, in January, there was that big uh, showdown thereafter. Uh, there was uh, hostages were taken at a kosher restaurant. Uh, and it turned out afterwards, after that all came to that, that standoff was, you know, from uh, some of the people who were involved in that shooting at Charlie Hebdo. Uh, it turned out that there was a, a Muslim uh, employee, I think it was, who worked at the restaurant or the deli, whatever it was, who had hustled uh, some of the uh, patrons downstairs into a safe room or into the freezer. Into the freezer, downstairs. I think yeah. it was, yeah. Yeah. And he was a hero. He was, uh, you know, a, a, a Muslim who was, uh, you know, protecting the patrons, many of them, I think, Jewish patrons. It was a kosher deli against the attack from these idiots, from these... Uh, you know, from these terrorists uh, who happen to be, uh, you know, claiming to be Muslims themselves who, uh, you know, and so he was a hero. Well, we had a similar story uh, during the Paris attacks on Friday. Of course, I, I, I'm sure that is, is not the one that is just splashed across uh, CNN and Fox News. And CNN has been terrible on this. We played a little bit of these uh, two CNN anchors uh, berating uh, a, a Parisian Muslim uh, who, you know, because apparently he wouldn't accept responsibility somehow for the attack that was carried out by others. So in any event, uh, this uh, comes from, uh, once again, from Raw Story, who's been doing a great job collecting some of these, uh, comes from Raw Story via the BBC. A Muslim employee who gave his name only as Safer at one of the cafes targeted in the horrific attacks in Paris reportedly saved the lives of two injured women by running into the hail of bullets to drag them to safety. According to the BBC, Safer was behind the bar at Cafe Nostra when the shots rang out. He said, I was at the counter. We heard the explosions, really loud bangs, according to uh, what Safer told the BBC reporters. Everyone started screaming. Glass rained down on us. It was awful. There was glass all over the place hitting us in our faces. And then he noticed two injured women outside. He said, I saw two women on the terrace had been hit. One in the wrist and the other in the shoulder. They were bleeding really badly, he said. At a break in the shooting, Safer, who is of Algerian origin but is Muslim, ran outside and helped the two women to safety. He said, I picked them up and rushed them downstairs to the basement. I sat with them and tried to stop the bleeding, he said. As we were downstairs, we could hear the gunfire continuing above. He said it was terrifying. Safer's view uh, is that the attacks have nothing to do with religion. Real Muslims, he said, are not made for killing people. These, in fact, are just criminals. Why Americans in this country, why Christian Americans in this country, why Republican Christians, Americans in this country can't seem to understand this at this point is amazing to me. But it is precisely the way they are behaving 
talking about shutting down mosques, talking about restricting their movements, talking about not allowing them into this country, talking about uh, shooting at their houses, leaving them death threats, burning down their places of worship. This is exactly, this is identical to what Osama bin Laden wanted and what ISIS now is counting on. Pick a side. You're with the caliphate or the crusaders. That's exactly what the terrorists want, and it is exactly what so many in this country now, starting with Donald Trump on down all the way through his party, are giving them. It is absolutely appalling. Well, and I don't think that they are not understanding that. I think that the presidential candidates, especially Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, he is especially smart enough to know what he is doing. He knows that what he's calling for with a Christian test for refugees to come in, he knows that that's, you know, un-American and anti-constitutional. You know, that there should be no religious test, that the founders would be against a religious test. And I also just want to go back one really quick point about the uh, Republican governors who are saying that they won't let any of these refugees in. I'll yeah. just remind them as we approach the holiday season, yes. as we approach the, the birth of Jesus Christ, their, their Savior, that they, they claim to be Christians, that Jesus and Mary and Joseph, shortly after his birth, were fleeing Herod, King Herod, to Egypt. Egypt accepted them. Yes. So, you know, when it comes refugees. to yeah, the refugees, yes. accepting in refugees who are fleeing terror, God forbid that the Texas Christians and the Alabama Christians and the other Republican governor Christians, you know, should forget that that's actually what you're called to do as a Christian. That's just me, though. That's, <laughs> that's just, you know, what I was taught. Well, well done. And by the way, uh, you, you cited Ted Cruz. We'd hate to single him out. Yeah, that's definitely because, not singling you know, him yes, out. Yes, we don't but. want to single him out because Jeb Bush, the reasonable one, is calling for the same thing. Well, we could just let, uh, we, I think we should, you know, only let Christians in. Maybe we could consider letting them. Well, what if they're, uh, you know, three or four-year-old uh, uh, Muslim children? I don't know about that. We can't let the, but we can let the Christians. How do you know they're Christian? Uh, we don't, there's ways to find that out. Really? What ways? Yeah, there's ways. This is a man who's running for president, and this is a man in the case of Jeb Bush, who was supposed to be the reasonable one, the smart one, the not crazy one, the not Ted Cruz, the not Donald Trump. These people are remarkable. And, uh, boy, you know how bad it is. And we don't have time. We still don't have time. Well, you know, it's just as well. We don't have time to play the CNN video of these two anchors berating this uh, this, this Muslim uh, right after the attacks. Because he wouldn't accept responsibility for what these terrorists, these criminals did. Uh, we don't have time for that. Uh, but it, 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 and it's just as well. Just as well. But it gives you an idea of just what kind of shape this country is in. What kind of a place we find ourselves now in. As we head, as you say, Desi Doyen, towards the holiday. Towards Thanksgiving. Towards Christmas. Towards, towards the election year. It gives you some idea of where we are when we have to go to Fox News, of all places, and Shepard Smith to be the voice of reason. Shep Smith, uh, who slammed uh, this, uh, uh, this anti-refugee 
quote, political extre- political extremism. And it was Shep Smith, of all people, on Fox News saying that we can't resort to the tactics of barbar- barbarians here in the home of the brave. Our collective heart, of course, is with the victims and the people of France. And it seems to me we the people have a responsibility now to protect that which we hold dear. In the face of terror, will we panic or be calm and deliberative in approach? Confronted with those who want to change our way of life, will we abandon our freedoms and the rights granted to us by the Creator? Or will we welcome huddled masses yearning to breathe free? Will we take extreme measures to fundamentally alter who and what we are? Our shining city on a hill is vulnerable. We've always known that. If we change it to accommodate the savages, have they won? And what then would be left to protect? We profess to stand as an example for all the world. Our unique experiment in freedom, tolerance, openness, and equality is our gift to societies and peoples everywhere. Come, join us. Enjoy a chance at the American dream. Today we mourn, but we cannot allow ourselves to become like those who want to destroy us. We cannot resort to the tactics of the barbarians. We must fight for what we believe in and who we are, guard our freedoms faithfully for the generations to follow. And we must not let the rhetoric of potential and political extremists among us lead us to self-destruction. When there's panic, we show resolve. When there's calm for extremism, we resist. We are America. We must lead. Shepard Smith on Fox News making some really good sense. The tactics of the barbarians here in the home of the brave. Land of the free, home of the brave. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doy, and to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. We will be back with you, same Brad time, same Brad channel, tomorrow. Until then, if you have any thoughts about today's program, you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can download our shows anytime at bradblog.com or over at iTunes if you missed any portion or would like to share them with your friends and family over the holidays. Uh, You can also find me and follow me on the Twitters at TheBradBlog. All right, I think that's it. Um, Yeah, that's it. We'll be back with you again next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.